7 to 8 p.m. Sport on with Tabi Somosia. Good evening and thanks for joining us on SAFM Spot On with me, Tavi Somosia and Katlako Mudiba producing with Sylvester Komane back in technical. And there is only one way to start the show tonight. Mavazi mana. Well, on that note, thank you again for joining us on our first show since the Springboks were crowned world champions after that sensational win over England in Saturday's final. It is the first Monday since the Boks are world champions. Tomorrow will be the first Tuesday since the Boks are crowned champions. And I guess you can figure out what the theme will be this week. My goodness, what a game, folks. What a performance. No one saw it coming. Even the great Eddie Jones was bamboozled by the tactics of the Springboks on Saturday. They played in a way they've never played during this Rugby World Cup. And you have to give credit to the mastermind himself, Coach Rasia Rasmus, for the game plan and the way he handled the squad during that tournament. No wonder the man was crowned coach of the year peter steph to toy player of the year he was immense from the, for the springboks all year long and the springboks are of course team of the year simply incredible and that's why we thought we should bring back that lovely tune there from uh, leon schuster he come the boca so tonight we'll look back at the game because I've, I've i've seen and i've heard a lot on the radio people have been talking about the dynamics of this win what it will do for the country and and and, and so forth but tonight we choose to look at the game and we'll speak to former Springbok and Stormers coach uh, Robbie Fleck. Uh, he's going to um, analyze what he saw in that 80 minutes. We're also going to trace the journey of Captain Sia Kolisi, who returns home tomorrow. Uh, we'll uh, go back to his first school in primary where um, his rugby was cultivated. Uh, and then we're going to move on to Cray, of course, where he became... Um, an even better uh, rugby player there and we also want to hear your views and your comments on the rugby and you can call us at any time on 0891 what did you make of the game what do you make of the victory and uh, you can send us voice notes on whatsapp 061 did you expect that kind of a performance from the box everybody thought it would be close I also thought it would be close considering that um, the previous rugby world cup finals have been closed but the box had a trick up their sleeve and it sure worked on Saturday. You can also SMS us on 41391. If you missed it, the team returns home tomorrow. They're going to come back home tomorrow as well as on Wednesday. Tomorrow will be the first group. It will include uh, Coach Rasia Rasmus. It will include Siako Lisi and Andre Pollard uh, and then the, and, and some other guys, of course. And then the rest of the team will come back on uh, Wednesday. There will also be victory parades throughout the country. Uh, the Springboks did announce on uh, uh, I think it was on Sunday uh, when they put it out on social media that they're actually going to be doing a trophy parade throughout the week. I think it starts on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it will end on Monday. Uh, let's see. I've actually got it in front of me. I think I've got the dates here of where they will be. So you can go Thursday, 7th of November. They're going to be in Pretoria, Jobek and Soweto. Friday, they're going to be in Durban. Saturday, Emonti, East London. Sunday in PE, the home of Sia Colisi. And the tour ends on uh, Monday on the 11th of November in Cape Town. Uh, the South offices in Cape Town. So I guess that's where they will hand over the trophy and leave it there. And by the way, if you missed the big football story of the day, Benny McCarthy's sacked at Cape Town City. The statement came out at midnight, but our focus tonight is on the Boca, and we're going to speak to Coach uh, Robbie Fleck up next just to get his thoughts on the game. But keep those SMSs coming in, keep those voice notes coming in on 061-4104-107, and you can call us 0891- 
104-207. For those on social media, we are using the hashtag SAFM Sport On. Hashtag SAFM Sport On. Okay, let's first trace the journey then of our World Cup winning captain, Sia Kolisi. And we've got on the line the man that Sia speaks about a lot, the man that says changes life, changes path, changes journey, uh, Mr. Eric Songwik, who joins us on the line because we all know that history was made on Saturday. Sia, the first uh, black African Springbok captain to win the Rugby World Cup. Mr. Songwik, good evening, sir. Thank you very much for speaking to us uh, on SAFM. Good evening, sir, and uh, good evening to your listeners. Just tell us firstly, uh, Mr. Songwik, Uzivanjan Namhlanje, a day, two days after your protege, Sia Kolisi, lifted the World Cup. How do you feel, sir? Hey, uh, I feel uh, very great, you know, because, yes, uh, that's what to lift uh, a Web Ellis trophy, the first black captain, you know. So, you know, I am ecstatic about uh, what happened during the weekend, you know. Has it sunk in yet, what Usia has achieved? I beg you, sorry? I'm saying, has it, has it sunk in yet, what Usia has achieved? Have you had time to sit alone and just think about the magnitude of this? Yes, uh, you you know what, if, if, if you look... Um, from uh, the the early days, you know. Mm. So this is something to me uh, that was expected a long time ago, you know. Mm. So, and uh, the victory, it is something that didn't come to me uh, as a surprise. I I, I, I mean, Sia's uh, leadership um, qualities, you know. So they proved that he, he can lead the team successfully. By the way, he did lead the team successfully, you know. Yes. And where were you watching the game, sir? Now I was at uh, Zwede Stadium. Oh, public know. viewing. There was a big yes, screen there. Yes, yes, in Port Elizabeth. Yeah. Describe to us the, the, the scenes. How was it? Begunjani, uh, a stadium. You know, each and everyone who was watching the game was uh, jubilant from the very onset. Now, starting the game, we could see that... Uh, England uh, is nowhere. So each and everyone was behind uh, the Springboks, you know, uh, waiting for the Springboks to win the game. So it happened. It happened. So each and everyone was happy. Each and everyone was jubilant, you know, because that success, it's not only the success of uh, the Springbok team, it's the success for the entire South Africans, you know. Hmm. Although we have uh, supporters all over the world. And for the community of Zwede, I mean, what does Sia's success mean to the community and to the kids that are growing up as Zwede? Now, in, in, the, in our communities, you know, there are young, upcoming rugby players. Then, not looking at the boys only, even girls that are playing rugby, you know, young girls at the age of 12, because there is um, tech rugby and touch rugby, you know. Mm. So they, they, they are really inspired about the, the win of the Springboks, more especially in Sia lifting that uh, Web Ellis trophy, you know. So that uh, elevates interest to the upcoming young players, rugby players, you know. So, you know, there's that enthusiasm to the youngsters that, yes, they are there. And uh, winning that uh, Web Oilers trophy, uh, Usia was leading the team. So, which means in future, they could be uh, in that position. For those who are not familiar with Usia's journey, uh, he always says you are the man that discovered him, you're the man that convinced him that he can have a future in rugby. But where did you, where and how did you, did you find or discover Siakolis? You know, in the past, the way the, the primary schools were structured, so it was hard to, to get a, a rugby coach. Now, 
I used to assemble boys from the surrounding schools. My advantage uh, then, uh, I was coaching Eastern Province uh, under 12 and uh, under 13 rugby team, as well as Eastern Province uh, women's rugby team, the senior team. Mm. So I had that advantage. Now, when I assembled the boys, now Utsia was part of those boys. Uh, the number was more or less 75 uh, kids. Now, so I had to divide them. So I noticed this uh, young, vivacious boy who was passionate about what he was doing. You know, I could see that enthusiasm in this young boy. A, 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 a well-mannered boy, disciplined, you know. Now, it is not easy to deal with youngsters mm. because they are pushing and serving one another. One uh, thinks that I'm better than you, so I can do this better. So now, uh, most importantly, what I did is to inculcate skills to these youngsters because I didn't focus uh, in physical uh, training. Uh, kids, uh, there's that natural fitness, you know. Mm. So Usiya excelled in those skills. Now, that was another time he assisted me with those that could grasp, uh, take a long time to grasp, you know, because of, of a large number of boys. Now, he was also a motivator mm. amongst these boys and trying uh, to calm down. They are not boys. They are not <laughs> boys. But he knew that during the training session, we are there, you know. Now, I, I said it was not uh, um, alone. There were other boys as well. Mm. There was something that came to me. I said to, to them, listen, I will just take you to, to Eastern Province under 12 team, you know. Mm. Now, I worked hard with these boys because these boys uh, were just quite a number. There were about 10 boys that I saw that these boys are, are, are very good boys, you know. Now, my school was a cradle of rugby, you know. So, and each and everyone uh, knew that uh, this is the place, and I have to work very hard. So, Utsuya was also part of those boys taking a leadership a position uh, at an early stages. Mm. Now, he was very tiny, but what I could notice that he was robust. He was playing flank and number eight, and um, you know, in rugby. There is contact, contact mm-hmm. against the opponents, your teammates, and the ground. So, so you could withstand uh, in such situations, you know. Is, is it so, true that you convinced him to, to change primary schools? I read in a book that you convinced him to change primary schools for the sake of his rugby. Yes. Yes. Now, you know what? Uh, boys at the early stages... So yes, they do. They do look at the the senior players, the springboard players, you know, and they even name themselves after them. Hmm. But uh, there is that excitement at that particular moment, you know. By the way, as a coach, as a teacher, I, I was a driving force then to to unlock that raw talent, you know, hmm. so that they they see the future, you know. It doesn't end there. The life skills as well, because uh, in our areas, when you look in our uh, in our areas, uh, the influence, the outside sectors that that change lives of these young boys, you know. So I have to educate them as well, so that they they don't do drugs, you know, mm. all that sort of things. So, so what motivated you to convince him to change primary school? Was it because you were at the other school and you wanted to have a look at it, a closer look at him? No, it, it, it was not him specifically. Mm. You know, there were other boys from uh, other schools as well, because there's a nearby uh, stadium, Denkaika Stadium. Yes, yes, I know Denkaika. Because my my school, the rugby field uh, is not conducive. It's not conducive. Uh, to have a training session there. Mm. Same applies to Denkaika Stadium, but it was much better. 
you know. At the same time, they should know that it does not end only in that environment of the school. So they must also go out and you know and, and see and know how uh, a bigger stadium looks like and play in the bigger stadium, you know. So there were other boys, uh, and it's not that it was only three that uh, I've sent them to Gray. Mm. There were other boys, two boys. They were three, and after them, there was another boy, too. And after that boy, there's another one, you know. Mm. So which means that the focus was not yet uh, in Syria alone. So soldiers, uh, there are, there are uh, soldiers uh, in cases of the war that fall out, you know. Yes. But there are those that uh, come back alive from, from the war, you know. So even other boys uh, were part of the system. But mm. fortunately, you know, no one could uh, change. If, 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 if uh, the finger of God points somewhere, so there's no human being that uh, can change that. So it was the blessing from God, Usia, uh, to be with me and also to be part of Usia. So now when you look at the prolific results uh, today, mm. so which means God was part of the journey. For those who have just joined us, we're speaking to Mr. Eric Songwikli, uh, the man who discovered Sia Kolisi as a youngster still in primary school, convinced him to take his rugby seriously, and as they say, the rest is history. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation. We just want to take a quick break, but you can keep those WhatsApp voice notes coming through on 061-4104-107. SAFM Radio, and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. Still speaking to Mr. Eric Songwikli, Sia Kolisi's first uh, coach. Mr. Songwikli, the other thing that Usia likes to talk about about is how you were a father figure for him when he was young. Why was it important for you to play that role as a father and how do you describe his background at home at that time? You know, um, when you deal with with kids, you, you have to monitor them, you know. And uh, by monitoring them, you guard against the, the outside sectors. Now, the, uh, there were times... When I, I had to take Osea to trials, you know, and uh, communicate with uh, his family members. Yes, even at the time he, he was at Gray with the other, uh, and the, the, the other boys. So if there's a meeting there, I was informed. If there were functions there, uh, I was informed. If there were games there, I was informed, you know. Now, the, the situation in our communities, sometimes uh, it becomes difficult, you know. Mm. So there's yes, um, his father's younger brother, you know, was part of the journey. Yes, so he, he was the one that I, I communicated a lot with, you know. Then... Um, preparing for for this journey because now it's a story now that is narrated by the way it was not easy mm. it was not easy so the the role that i played as a father figure uh i was always uh, next to to these boys not only to 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 these boys that i, I sent them to pray even uh, the other boys that uh, surrounded me, you know. So mm. I, I played that role, and I'm still playing that role even today. Mm. So now they are grown-ups now, but we, we are still in touch. Now boys from, from my school, even from the previous school, and M. Sengeni, so I monitored those boys from school up to the club level, that is African Bombers. Yes. I even coached to see uh, uh, at African Bombers, mm. and that year we won, we won, we won a trophy, you know, mm. and with other boys. So the majority of that team uh, were boys from my school, more seventy-five percent to eighty percent, and those were boys that played together with Usia. So mm. that bond, that um, that that friendship, yes. 
so was always intact because I was next to them to monitor the way that they are they are taking, you know. Mm. So that is why uh, I, I was playing a, a, a father figure role to to these young boys, you know. You mentioned that they you then took them for trials. These boys, uh, Osiya, and I think the other one was Pumelele or Opa, if I remember correctly, in the book. Pa- Papama Oye. Pa- Papama Oye, yes. Yes, and uh, Zolani Fago. Yes. So when they went for these trials, did they actually know? Were they aware that they are being watched? Were they aware that they were on trial? No, but what was uh, important mostly. Then when you talk about uh, uh, the provincial colors to boys, you know, that, uh, that uh, comes to their mind that they, they should perform. Now, again, they knew that uh, I, I'm preparing them to go to gray, you know. Mm. So now, uh, from township to, to town, uh, there wasn't that much of fear in them, you know. Mm. It was only the excitement because they were going to attend school in town. But taking them to trials, you know, there was that uh, eagerness. Now we want to be part of, of the team. And the time I was coaching the under-12 and the under-13, I was together with uh, Mr. Andrew Haidakis, he was he was a, a coach in Gray, you know, mm. and so we developed a, a friendship, you know. Then we, we 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 could exchange some other things. Now even uh, the way I approached him, I said, "Listen, Mister," he called me Mister Eric, so I called him Mister Ace. Mm. That I've got I've got strong boys at my school, and I can beat your team. <laughs> so he said, "No, Mister Eric, you must be joking," you know. Now, but he realized something, you know. I do not know whether uh, the way that things were happening uh, during our training session that at least uh, something uh, uh, could come up from my side. Mm. And my, my school team was performing. My school team was performing. So then he was also interested to see them. Uh, in the EP under 12 trials, you know. Then when he looked uh, at them, then he said, I'll organize a a meeting between you and my headmaster, Mr. Pearson, you know. It's then that uh, the way was paved. So I had to be in touch with the headmaster, not once several times you know we've got someone so on the line I, that wants to that wants to speak to oh okay sorry we've lo- oh sorry we've lost him there was somebody that wanted to speak to you i'm sure okay. uh, they're gonna okay. call us back on that okay. note mr song weekly then how do we find then how do we make sure we produce more siakolisis out of zuida out of the other townships around uh, the country at uh, the country now there's um there's a boy after them by the way, now he's at Fortes, if you have said. I, uh, he must be doing his last year now, this year. There's another one who's doing grade 11, you know. Uh, I spotted him the time he was eight years old, you know. Then I called the parent. So just to, to, to inform the parent that I'll take the, this boy. Uh, forward then later on when I trained him I also sent him to to pray mm. now what I'm doing yes uh, around the schools you know uh, I get uh, I, I try to to get some trophies and medals then I organize uh, a tournament for 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 the surrounding schools you know now I I I've got a, a, a core group of of young boys, so whereby I will be moving forward with that with that core group, then preparing them. In fact, we we started already mm. with those boys. Okay. So my main objective, uh, years to come, is to work with those boys and monitor them 
to to the local club, you know. Uh, so it is when that we're going to get uh, other CIA policies. Okay, and let's go to the lines. We need to be uh, educated as well about something that are happening, some other things that are happening uh, in our communities that could change uh, their lives negatively. Mm. Bramoro, thanks for calling us back. Good evening. Good evening, sir. How are you? Fine, thanks, Bramoro. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, your guest also for the good work that he has done so far. Without him, maybe we wouldn't have had the first black captain to mm. win the Rugby World Cup. May God bless him. Whatever he lost while bringing up this gentleman, may God continue to shower his blessing on him, granting more ages and more success in life. I probably wish Sia can dedicate maybe at least the gold medal to this gen- uh, to this man because without him. We wouldn't have reached this stage that we are. But listening to the interview, he never kept mentioning Gray College. So which uh, keeps what I keep wondering myself, like, can't we have a rugby player who probably didn't maybe go to Gray College? Is it possible for us to probably have a player from the government school? That's a great point you make, Bramoro, because it can't be that uh, some of our some of the best rugby players from the communities of the townships have to go to these uh, so-called rugby playing schools. We have to uplift our communities. We need better facilities for our communities. We need rugby schools in our communities because um, out of a team of 15, like Mr. Songuk said, three will go to grey. What happens to the other 12? Look at Makazola Mapimpi. He didn't go to these traditional rugby playing schools, uh, but what happened to the other 14 players that he was playing with? So I think that's a very good point, Bramora, and it's a conversation that we need to have going forward. But Mr. Songuk, before we let you go, the one thing that mm. I saw of pictures of Msengeni Primary School is that the rugby field looks like gravel. It doesn't look fit to host rugby matches. Is Firstly, is that the true state of the pitch, what I saw on TV? 100%. Why is it you still know, like that if it's a school that produced the Siakolis? It's 100% because um, I, I didn't have the choice, you know. So I said to myself, uh, instead of complaining, at least uh, let, me, let me devise other means, you know. So I had to improvise. There was no other way. It is like that, you know. So we started there. Sometimes when you look around, you look uh, just for, for a small piece of grass whereby you, you can, you can uh, uh, your training session, you hit the bags, you go to the ground, you know. So it is like that. And what I've noticed from that pitch, lot of um, good uh, young rugby players that are coming there, you know. So it is just that... Uh, uh, when you look at the African Bombers players, mm. those boys that are playing for African Bombers are coming from that pitch, you know. Then we, we tried our best to get a proper rugby uh, field, you know. So when they play in town, uh, in those fields, so that, that is a carpet to them, mm. you know. That is a carpet to them, you know. So it is like that. Well, surely it can't be like that. Who is responsible uh, there in the Eastern Cape? I don't know if it's if it's government or whoever, but we have to go look at that. I'm saying in the primary school, a uh, rugby field. We can't continue like that. A school that produced Siakolisi, and so many years later, uh, it's still gravel. No, guys. That can be right. And it goes to what Bramoro was saying. Unless we get our facilities right in the in the communities, in the townships and our schools right, then these boys are always going to go to these rugby playing schools and who can blame them? Uh, charity. Mm. Though, yeah. mm. Mr. Eric, thank you very much for speaking to us. We're actually going to speak to his other school. But thank you. We wanted uh, to put you on air, highlight what you've done and, and, and mm. just let people know what a big role you played in Seattle Colisi and credit to him because he always speaks about you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Thank sir. Let's now speak to um, Mr. Fena Barnard, Master of Rugby at Gray, and also Sia's former coach at Gray. Gray has been in the news lately. Uh, there was a video they did on Friday. I didn't get to see it, but I saw it was trending. Mr. Barnard, good evening, sir. Thank you very much uh, for speaking to us. Oh, my pleasure. How's it going? Fine. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Barnard. Firstly, I mean, how was, how was school today at Gray? Was uh, it a normal day? Uh, the boys are floating. We're all floating. It's been a very exciting couple of days. We're incredibly proud. Oh, yeah, amazing. And I, of, I, I thought, yeah, I thought he'd win. I didn't think he'd win by that much. No, it's been a, <laughs> been a wonderful couple of days. 
And and obviously, I mean, he's not the first Springbok to come out of the school, but there's just something special about about Sia Kolisi. We even saw on Friday there was something the boys did for Sia. It trended. I didn't see the video. What was going on in that video? Um, the boys have a couple of songs, and I sing "We Love You, Sia." We, uh, yes, we do. Um, when you're winning, we we're not blue. I can't think of the rest of it now. But yeah, they, they sang and they cheered for him. Um, yeah, he, he has a tremendous standing in the school community. Um, I, I remember even as a as a, as a young uh, high school boy, always a centre of attention, very popular with the staff as well. And when we are fortunate enough to see him, I mean, he was here for his 10-year reunion this year. Mm. Uh, yeah, the man is, he has universal popularity. Such charisma mm. as a leader too. And um, I've said a few times this last week that I, I think C.S. Kulisi would be successful in any sphere of life because of who he is as a person. Wow, yeah, it's, it's more than just rugby. And you, sir, when did you first come across uh, Sia Kolisi? I was very fortunate, um, you know, being a rugby coach. Uh, um, I arrived in, I think, in his grade nine year, mm-hmm. and then I was very lucky to coach him in his grade eleven year and grade twelve year as a sevens coach. Um, so I was very, very fortunate to have a player of that caliber. I, I do recall um, in his matric year we were playing the Atlantic Seven series and we had a semi final against Frainsby. And Cornell Dupree, who's played for Scotland, was in the Fraser team. And at halftime, we were down 20 0. And I asked here, I said, uh, Is this how it ends for you? Is this how your last game for the school ends? Well, he scored four tries in the second half. <laughs> and uh, the fifth one, he still gave the ball to someone else. And we ended up winning by about 30 points to 25. So there was all here. All here the whole way through. Unbelievable footballer and a, and a more unbelievable person. Is that Cornell Dupree that went to go play for Scotland? Yes. <laughs> okay, let's go to the lines. I think we've got Daniel from Deben. Daniel, good evening. Thanks for calling us. Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. No, your guest, the one you just went, or went uh, before the, the yes, one that Mr. I took me on. What a wonderful mentor and, uh, you know, where you can pick up young people like Sia and uh, look at today. Yeah. What a powerful um, input and what a powerful... You know, he was a game changer for South Africa in terms of everything. You know, we, we I watched the game live with, in a big shopping center with everybody, you know, all kind of people. We just were one one person there. And um, our, our government really, 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 25 years down the road, we have to give our young people a chance. Exactly. We have to give Absolutely. them a start. We, there's no more excuse. We have to. Thank you. Thank you for the good show and God bless you. Thanks. Thanks for that, Daniel. Thank you. Thank um, you so much. Bye. Deben. And we've got, is that Vince? Vincent? Okay, we're going to get back to uh, Vincent on that. Okay, we've got Vincent. Vincent, good evening. Is it Bushpark Ridge? Where are you calling from? Yes, yeah, it's Vincent from Bushpark Ridge. Yes, go ahead, sir. Uh, you know, I want to congratulate Sia and Mr. Eric there. You know, they've they, they done a very great for South Africa, mm. but all I can all I can request is that one of the coaches from Grey College mm. must go to Zide in in a form of a payback to say this is the far rural area that brought them uh, a, a captain of the world winning squad. Okay. Unlike unlike what we are doing, always we praise those people when they win the the, the, the bigger stage. We don't even go back down there. I'm, I'm having cricket team mm. in Bullfucking, far rural. There's no one you will talk to the union in the province. They will tell you, we'll never go down to to your area. We'll rather go to Upland or Nelspring High, where we can see you. They don't even see us where we can, where we, we, we group those boys. Mm. So please let the government put a moratorium to say, we need those people to go down there and see where we group those boys and the, and the girls to go and win the, 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 the big stage. Thank okay. you. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, we have also got KGM. KGM, good evening. Uh, good evening and good evening to your guests and to the listeners. Le- allow me to spoil the party a bit, Tavis. Like, oh, oh, yes, go ahead, KGM. Look, we, we seem to be falling into the same trap like we did politically. Uh, when we used to allow the, the notion of Mandela, who who got elevated more than the collective that was there, the collective being South Africa, everybody participating and playing a role in, in shaping the country the way it was. And Mandela kept on saying, it's, it's not me alone. It was never about me as Mandela, but it was a collective. It was the people who were fighting. Now, 
I'm listening and I'm seeing everybody in the media and, and beyond the media. Like, we're not talking about Springboks. We're talking about Sia Kolisi. And, and this is not by any chance, you know, playing down his personal achievement. I'm, I'm thinking about this young boy who is in some deep rural area somewhere who is forced to, to not learn or not even have any other role player within this, this wonderful team or any Springbok team for that matter. But everybody has to be like Siakonisi. Okay, I'm, I'm not sure I understand what your point is, but let me tell you something. We did actually reach out to Peter Steph to Toy's family before the show started. They're in Japan. They couldn't speak to us. We did reach out to the Springboks to ask to speak to more players. They said they'll speak to us uh, coming back. But having said that, I see nothing wrong with celebrating Siakonisi. He is the leader of this team. He is the captain of this team. And I think it's important to highlight his leadership qualities and what he did for this team. But thanks for your call, KG. Uh, Mr. Barnard, just back to you, sir. Um, when, when Sia got to the school, I mean, was he a very good rugby player at the time? Uh, what qualities did he have? It's interesting. Um, I remember as a junior player, he was a little bit undersized and a, and a very smart rugby player. But uh, by the by his grade 10 year and the 16, when he, we went to Grand Como Week, there was an element of, of power and strength in his game. And then in his grade 11 year in 2008, um, our first team only lost one match. Uh, we all go high school, not great college. I, know, learners, uh, I think our listeners are getting a little bit wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was unbelievable. Um, I reckon there wasn't an there wasn't an under eighteen player of the year award um, at, that, at that that stage. But I think if it had been that year, I think he'd have won it. He was without you know head and shoulders, the best player on the field every week when he played, and this tremendous awareness and space, ability to offload, sidestep, speed, and then the power game. I mean, I've I've seen quite a lot of pictures shared on Twitter the last couple of days. He been playing Queens in his matric year, mm. and yeah, geez, he was an incredible rugby player. But to me, the you know an indication of his talent, and I'm, I'm glad we're celebrating him tonight and, and, and not other players, is that as a schoolboy, he was an attacking rugby player. You know, sort of guy, pick the ball up at the back of the scrum, run 80 metres and score a try. Mm-hmm. And he's had to change his game. Because, I mean, bigger as a schoolboy, at test level, he's big enough. And he's had to change his game. He wasn't a guy that went to the ruck at school. He wasn't a guy that uh, was counting on to make tackle off the tackle. He left with other players. Was he even and captain he at Grey? He was captain at the 16, mm-hmm. and then in his grade 11 year, the captain was uh, one uh, Bonele Bete. Mm. And uh, in his matric year, Sisanda Mangaliso, who played a little bit for Eastern Province a couple of years ago, was the captain. So Sia was spared that responsibility in his two senior years for two other very good leaders. Mm. But that leadership has always been there. And, and finally, what is it about Gray? I mean, that seems to produce the sports stars, or that's just a sporting school that is this culture. I've, I've played at Gray, I've played rugby at, at, at Gray, and it's just a wonderful environment uh, to be in. But what makes the school so great? It's interesting. I was, I was sitting uh, on the side of a cricket field a few weeks ago talking to Russell Domingo. Russell, yeah. who's now coaching Bangladesh, his, his son is in grade nine here, he's a cricket player. And he, he asked me that, that very same question, and we, we chatted about it for a couple of hours. And it's, it's hard to explain. Um, I think often there's a, there's a very strong level of competition within the school. And, you know, at times we feel, I mean, we tend to dominate the Cravenic sides and we have more players, the Cravenic side tends to do better, etc. Mm. And I think our boys push themselves very, very hard within the school, possibly harder than some of the other schools push each other when they play against each other. So there's a tremendous sense of, of, of wanting to, to do well. We're also very well resourced. I mean, that's been, a, I mean, I've heard a few of the callers so far. We are very fortunate in that regard. That, I mean, our, First team training group, there's 45 boys at the moment. They've probably had about 10 gym sessions already and about 15 field sessions for next season already this time of the year. So we have the resources. We can do that. We have a staff member, uh, our head of rugby, our, our first team coach, Alan Miles, mm. does wonderful work in that regard. And uh, we have a full-time biokineticist. We're adding a second one to that. So we have those resources and, and we're able to give the boys the best possible opportunity in whatever field. I mean, if a boy is an aspirant, if he's a good musician, he's going to get a very good facility to practice in. And the same with rugby. Also, our old boys and our, our parents expect quite a lot. I mean, we often as staff under a lot of pressure to, to make things happen. Mm. And then I must also pay tribute to, I mean, Andrew Adakis was mentioned earlier, Mrs. Ngwiki. We're blessed to have a, a staff of, of very passionate sports coaches. I mean, um, people that put in hours, uh, I think a lot of people forget that the teachers aren't paid to coach sports, they're paid to teach in class. Yeah. So they do the, they do the 8 to 2 o'clock job and then they go down in the sports fields until 6 o'clock at night. They travel away from their families. And when we have things like Sia, you know, becoming a Springbok first of all, becoming a national captain, winning a World Cup, it just makes all that worthwhile. You know, all of those yeah. hours, all, all of those moments when you've, you've sacrificed your own family time to, to help someone out. So... I give a lot of credit to, to, I think, a very talented staff 
that are prepared to put in a lot for our boys. So, so while we do have resources, I'm often very critical of my, my contemporaries from such two at times because uh, not many of our, our schools understand they don't have facilities. But, yeah. um, you know, some effort that you make, people need to be prepared to put in time. You know, you need to be prepared to, to sweat in an afternoon after school ends and, and help your learners because you also get to know the boys better. You know, and those, those moments too, those relationships make this profession worthwhile. Great stuff. And keep it going, Mr. Fenner, Barnard, Master of Rugby and CS former coach at Great. Thanks for speaking to us, sir. Thank you. Up next, we're going to speak to Robbie Fleck, get his thoughts on the 80 minutes on Saturday. Leading sport stories of the day on SAFM. And Coach Robbie Fleck joins us on the line now to talk the game. Coach, good evening. Thank you for speaking to us on SAFM. Absolute pleasure. Good evening to you and your listeners. Coach, let's look at the game. No one saw it coming the way the box played. What did you make of how they played? Because they really played rugby on Saturday. Yeah, obviously with the build-up, you know, a lot of people didn't expect us to win, you know, especially the way that we were playing both tactically and, and I guess, you know, we all making a few mistakes building up to this game. but um, and, and England were the complete opposite. You know, they were the dominant team within the World Cup. Um, they were playing the flamboyant rugby, the exciting rugby. And uh, a lot of pundits thought, you know, that was it. It was just about, you know, England rocking up and uh, and winning that trophy. But, um, you know, it, it was the complete opposite. It was a dominant South African team um, in all departments. And, uh, and they brought something special. And I think... You know, not only tactically, um, but it looked like they were playing for something more, and that really came through in that end result. Would you say it caught the English off guard, the fact that, like you're saying, the box were more adventurous in their play? I think it did, you know. I think you know, the way that Murphy and, and Sia and the guys have been speaking about throughout the World Cup, they haven't been shy to say, this is the way we play the game. And uh, a game that is dominated by defence, uh, a strong kicking game, and then, obviously, a very strong set piece. And, uh, and they haven't been shy to talk about it. And, uh, and that's the way they've been playing. I think that the pressure of the semi-final obviously showed a little bit there against Wales. And two similar sides in terms of the way they played. But, um, you know, we managed to prevail in that game. And I think what Rossi and, and, and his fellow coaches and the senior players that was obviously analysing England and they saw something there that mm. they were probably a little bit tight on defence. And, when the opportunity came, they looked to spread the ball, you know, which is complete opposite to what they did in the previous game. In saying that, though, um, you know, in the previous games, you know, if you look at the way they played against maybe Canada or Namibia, you know, they certainly did spread the ball. And that was because they were so physically dominant. Mm-hmm. And they were dominant up front. They were getting over the advantage line regularly, and therefore they brought the backs into play. When they played against the likes of New Zealand, and Wales and, 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 and Japan, who had better defence systems, you know, so I think I struggled a little bit. But when it came to the English, they were so dominant up front, you know, in the mm. scrum, in the lineup, in the ball. We were so dominant in our carries that when we got the advantage and, um, and got over that advantage line, we looked to set up our, our outside backs free, which was completely, you know, um, unexpected, you know, from, from most rugby people, you know, thinking of how they were going to play. I read some of the reports of the English media um, this weekend and they're slamming their senior players saying they should have taken it amongst themselves to try something new since their game plan was not working and they were surprised by what the box brought uh, to the field. Uh, How difficult is it to change your plans, coach, when what you were expecting is not happening on the field? Yeah, look, I mean, I think that, you know, it's up to those senior players. I think they're spot on. You know, it's up to the senior players to change things. I mean, obviously coaches can spot something that's not something that they had planned for and it's not coming, um, you know, suddenly they have to adapt. And uh, England didn't, you know. They kept plugging away at their game plan and they kept on trying to run at South Africa. And it wasn't working, you know. And our defence was outstanding. If you remember that moment, I yeah. think it was five or ten minutes to go in the, in the first yeah. half and they just kept hammering away. And they couldn't get that try. And that was a game-defining moment. I think from there, South Africa just grew, you know, with confidence. Um you know, we were totally dominant in the scrums. They didn't have a plan B there, and they couldn't have a plan B because, you know, Rossi and his team had made the plans well before that we've got, you know, two tight fives. We were going to come with a second tight five, 
you know, coming on in that second half and going to be completely dominant. And they were dominant. And uh, England couldn't adapt. You know, the penalties at the scrum is a massive psychological blow to them. And then obviously when, you know, their attack being their real strength in the competition, they couldn't breach our defence. And so then what, you know, what, what, what could they do next? And I guess the only thing that they could do, in my opinion, was probably turn them around a little bit more with a smarter kicking game. Mm. And with maybe more little attacking kicks to maybe put Teslin and Billy LaRue and, and Mavipi under some form of pressure, but they couldn't because they just couldn't get the ball and they couldn't get any dominance. And, uh, so plan B was not there. And, um, and that's because South Africa didn't allow them to execute either plan A or plan B. Mm. And you mentioned the defence coach, Robbie Fleck. Uh, I mean, what can we learn from what the Bok defence has been doing in Japan? Because even against Wales, they kept them at bay, even though they could sniff the try line. As you mentioned, they did the same thing against England. What are they doing right? Yeah, look, it's, it's been a work in progress for some time since George Nilov has come into the system. And obviously, Rossi and Rasmus, they go way back together from Stormer's days, Cheetah's days and Munster days. So... They, you know, they pride themselves on their defensive knowledge and they put in a system that South Africa have now executed. They didn't, if you remember when we played against England last year in those first tests, I think there was one in Joburg and another one in Cape Town. England regularly breached our defense and people were concerned about the way we were defending. But they've, they've stuck to it and they've, you know, they've coached the players over the last two years and uh, the players have adapted and got used to the system. And it really is a really hard, aggressive defensive system where the players are working incredibly hard for each other, getting up off the ground quicker, they're filling the holes, and, you know, their scramble defense is outstanding, and it's a very tough defense to play against. Um, it's a defense that's it's high, you know, where the wings are high and putting pressure on the passes, and, and England fly themselves in the passing game. I mean, that is the one thing that they are really good at, and they've got a high skill you know, players that can get the ball to wits and um, they usually want to get two or three passes, you know, to bring those big outside backs and those quick backs into play, but they couldn't because South Africa was shutting out the second pass and they were putting the first and second set of receivers under immense pressure. So, the, you know, the, the combination of of both Farrell and of Ford didn't work, you know. It, mm. it couldn't work, you know. They couldn't get two passes into the game where... New Zealand in the first game, they were pretty smart in the way that they played against South Africa. You know, they targeted the midfield, the middle of the field, and then they used two playmakers on either side, and they either kicked in behind South Africa, or those playmakers, you know, used either side left or right to attack South Africa's defence. And from the middle of the field, you can't rush. But England didn't do that, you know. They obviously didn't learn from New Zealand's win over South Africa, and they tried to do it their way, and played right into South Africa's hands. And the big guys like... Bonapolo and 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 Matoji, these guys couldn't get them over the advantage line, and that took away all the the attacking impetus from the of the English. Okay, let's go to the Lions. Colin from Cape Town. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening to your guest. You know, I think the All Blacks took everything out of England. The last game, mm. they gave it their all, and I think England were actually suffering for the week after that. Another thing too, I would like to, uh, you know, I've been listening from this morning, 6 o'clock, <clears throat> to comments about the rugby, 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 rugby. You know, uh, it, it seems like one man won the, the World Cup. Steph the Toy, man of the series, man of the, of the World Cup. You don't even hear anybody mention him. It's just one person being mentioned the whole day. It's not just any person, Colin. It's also the captain of the team. And as I mentioned earlier on, we did reach out to Peter Steph to toy. We wanted to speak to his family, actually, because you'll remember how he had that knee operation and his father gave him part of his knee. Uh, but they're in Japan and they can't speak to us at the moment. But I don't understand what's wrong with celebrating the captain. Let's go to the lines. I'm mean, sorry, to the voice notes. They've been, been coming through. Congratulations, congratulations, the books. Hello, brother. Hey, I see nothing wrong in mentioning Sia more than the others. Let's not forget that this, the sport was mainly dominated by whites. And now it's a history making, a black person leading a, a, the team, conquering the world, lifting the World Cup. I know we have to mention Sia so much. We believe that mentioning him who rise more seers in Mulazi, more seers in Soweto, more seers in Kayalisha. 
Keep on doing the good job, bro. Don't be discouraged. Mention Sia so much. You want more Sia to come up. Hallelujah. Good evening to Tommy Silso. Good evening to Robbie the you know, congratulations to the Springboks. My name is Librahian S. London to also Sia Gulisi for lifting that World Cup. You know, also congratulations to Peter Stavtatoy uh, for being uh, crowned the, the World Rugby Player of the Year. Um, I wanted to speak about Peter Stavtatoy. What an amazing player. You know, can you ask um, Robbie there, you know, what type of player is Robbie, uh, sorry, Peter Stavtatoy? Uh, how can you describe him on and off the field? And uh, did he see this coming? him being you know crowned the world rugby player of the year um evening name is mc tulania from Maland. before the game i told myself that this is the day that marks when the first black captain wins the rugby world cup and it did congratulations to the Springboks. it reminds me of 2007 Oh, Mr. Msia, what a start to your show. Go, Boke, go. Congratulations to the Springbok. My favorite player on the day, Mr. Msia, it was Faf Ditlek. I think he played a very good game. Okay, great stuff. Coach Robbie, just a word on Peter Steph Titoy. I mean, I had Rassi when he was asked about the 6-2 split. If he doesn't have a shortage of backline players on the bench, he said, actually, Peter Steph Titoy could even join the backline. <laughs> you know, when he went forward with the backline play, you know, he's a, look, he's a phenomenal guy, you know, um, you know, the one uh, caller there, you know, mentions what's he like off the field, and he's a fantastic human being. Uh, he's uh, he's very, very humble, um, you know, a big family man. Um, but the real key, you know, attribute to him and the way he plays is his, his appetite for work. Um, he's a clever rugby player. He works incredibly hard at his game. Um, he's just a natural athlete, um, you know, and he's big and physical like we can see. But the thing about him is his work rate. And that's why he stood out, you know, um, throughout the tournament, throughout this year and, and the previous two years. You know, he's been a stand-up performer for both the Springboks and for the Stormers. And, um, you know, he really, really did perform well. And he deserves the accolade of World Rugby Player of the Year. Um, as I said, incredibly human being, incredibly humble, hardworking. And that comes through in his rugby Great stuff. Coach Robbie, thanks for speaking to us. We are out of time, but we appreciate your insight. We just thought we should just get some thoughts on the game from an expert. And uh, thank you very much for joining us on SAFM. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Coach Robbie Fleck there. Uh, Let's also go to more voice notes. Good evening, Mr. Messiah. Congratulations to the Springboks for bringing it home. We are happy. Although I'm not that happy because we lost to the All Blacks. Hey, you know, losing to the All Blacks and winning the World Cup it just doesn't make me feel so excited. It's the same as 2007. Really, I wanted the box to, to beat the, the All Blacks. That's the only thing that will make me happy. Uh, good evening to you once again. Colin, Colin from Cape Town, where do you come from? When Francois Pinar lifted it, he was celebrated, he was a celebrity. When John Smith won it, he was celebrated as a celebrity. Now, what is wrong with Sia? Come on, we are a rainbow nation. Appreciate the fact that the first time a black man lifted it, and we should congratulate him, pat him on his back, and talk to him, talk about him for a year, not for a day or two. Get a life, Colin. And someone also says, Colin must tell us what exactly he wants to say and not speak in riddles. I bet he wouldn't complain about the silence on Peter's death to toy if... A pale player was captain. That's the SMS that's come through. We have to leave it there, folks. Um, uh, yeah, let's spread the love. The Springboks have won. Let's build on this. I thought we were supposed to be unified and all sorts of good things are going to happen to our country. Um, but yeah, it is time for news, though. I have to go.